Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. We're going to be in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 today. So as you're turning there, thanks man. As you're turning there in your Bible app or your Bible, I want to remind you about Welcome Home today. Um, and also, if you are a first-time guest today or second time, third time, fourth time, and you've never filled out a Connect card, um, if you've been here for three years and you still don't know what's going on, it's because you're not getting texts, fill out a Connect card, okay? That's, that's that QR code on the seat in front of you, and uh, we'd love to, um, to get you on that, on that list of communication. All right, you feeling good this morning? All right, well, we're gonna get, we're just gonna jump right in. I was telling Lauren uh, before service started, I was like, I think I have way too much that I have to fit into 30 minutes. <laughs> so I just had a good time with Jesus this week preparing this message. You might hear half of it, okay? So we'll, we'll see how this goes. All right, we're starting part six of our glory series today. We've been going through the book of Ephesians together, just verse by verse. I love that. I just have loved this. Can I get a, can I get a, yeah. Uh, I, who was here last week and heard Christian Jay bring that message, that awesome word last week? Super good. I left just having uh, an appreciation and just, a, just I, I, I just left thinking the gospel is just so beautiful. Like what Jesus has done for us is just beautiful. And, um, and so I'm thankful for that word. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And I want to talk about his glory in his dwelling, his glorious dwelling. And so I like today's message. All right, you like it like that. The dwelling, which kind of fits, you know? Um, because, and I say this a lot, the dwelling is not just a church. The church is a dwelling. Did you hear that? Did you get it? Are you following? The dwelling is not just a church. The church is a dwelling. You are glory carriers. Everything we just sang about is true about you, whether you believe it or not, or whether we're living it or not. It's true. You're a glory carrier. And so let's just look at um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right. Therefore, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by, in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So first, first thing, and I'm gonna, just a warning, I'm probably gonna fly through these first few verses because the end is what I really wanna get to today. But I will say this, when he talks about the circumcision in scripture, um, if you don't know what that is, ask dad when you get home. Um, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> when he talks about that, he's talking about the Jewish people, okay? And so when, we're talking, I want you to think about two groups of people this morning. There's Jewish people and Gentile people. There's the Jews, the chosen people of God, it's Israel, and then there's everybody else. Okay, now Ephesus was a, at the time, it was a Greek 
city was a Roman city at this time that Paul was writing. And so you've got a bunch of Gentiles in there, right? A bunch of people who worship Diana and all these other you know, gods and stuff like that, just totally just a pagan, pagan culture, completely uh, removed from Israel and the worship of the one true God, right? I mean, they don't have a clue about that. But there are Jews in the city of Ephesus who have become believers. And there's other problems. You can read the book of Acts and find out that there was some problems with that among the believers um, in, in, other, in other cities where it's like, well, what, what, I mean, if you're, if you're like a Gentile and you become a Christian, then you're kind of like a second-class Christian because the Jewish Christians are like the best thing, like we're the best version of a Christian, you know, like this is the argument that's going on. So in order to be like us, you have to do this and this and this and this. And Paul's like, no, 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 this is by grace. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so the, 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 if you were not a Jew, then you are apart from the promise. You are separated from the promise, from the protection. I like to think of it as an umbrella. You are outside from under the umbrella of God's kingdom. And he's, here's what he's saying. You had nothing. You are apart from me. You're separated from God. But then Paul says, but the good news is you've been brought near by his blood. And listen, this is talking about us in this room today. Not just the Gentiles in Ephesus. This is you. This is me. You are separated, alienated from God. And the, and the blood of Jesus brought you near to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you are a believer today, it's not because of anything you did. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And not only brought near to God, not only reconciled to God, but you've been brought near to each other. You've not only been brought into the presence of God, but you've been brought into a family. And this is the point that Paul is trying to make. There's a little diversity in the church. There's Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, and Paul is saying, look, you guys are one family. Now, you may have some different backgrounds and the way you do different things, but this is the beauty of the church is that we just mashed all in here together and making something extra beautiful. And then he says this in uh, verse 14. He says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one, both of us, Jews and Gentiles, made us one. Everybody say one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. Say one. one. In place of the two. So making peace and might, right, might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, to God in body through the cross. In one body. Say one. one. Therefore, killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, Jews. For through him, we both have access to one spirit. Say one. one. To the Father. So he's saying, look, you guys are in a, you guys are in a family. Don't be, don't be squabbling about who's got more of what. Do we do that in the church sometimes? We may not do it over like Jewish Gentile things, but we do it over things like gifts, spiritual gifts. We do it things, over things like secondary doctrines that we just can't uni get unified on. 
You know, it, we, make, we major on the small things and forget that we've got a lot to, uni- to, to, to be one about. And so anyway, uh, Paul is saying, look, there was a dividing wall that has been broken down by Jesus. I want to talk about two dividing walls today. The first dividing wall is not what Paul's talking about here, but it's in Scripture. There was a dividing wall between you and the Father. And Jesus, by his death on the cross, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he literally tore the veil that kept you from entering the presence of God. And there was this prophetic symbol in the, in the makeup of the old tabernacle in the wilderness and in the temple that was in Jerusalem, there was this inner sanctuary, this holy of holies. And it, in, it, it contained the, the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of the Lord would dwell there. God's always wanted a house, a place to dwell. And by the way, you are that place now. It's not in a stone temple anymore. It's in you. But, but Jesus tore down. And what happened when he died on the cross? It said there was an earthquake. The rock split in two. And the t- veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And it was this prophetic declaration of this is what I've come to accomplish It is no longer your sin that keeps you from the Father. I have paid it all so that you can walk right into the Holy of Holies. Even more so, the Holy Holies can walk right into you. That's glory. That's glory. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so, because Jesus was and is our high priest, that's, that's what you have access to, guys. I mean, I, I know this is like theological, you know, but this is real life. Like, does your life look like you're full of glory? Like, God, make us full, like, fill us up. Make it, make it look like we're actually who we say we are. <laughs> but there was another wall that Paul is talking about here. So there's a wall between you and God. Jesus tore that down, okay? Don't feel like you've got a brick wall between you and God anymore. If you're in Christ, you have full access. You're actually not this, you're this. You're one, Well, Jesus tore down the wall, not just to bring us to God, but the wall that separated us from each other. In this context, he's speaking specifically to Jews and Gentiles. But I think this bleeds over into every kind of difference in the body of Christ, every kind of doctrinal system that we kind of get married to. Jesus broke all of the barriers down. He broke them all down. The the barrier between you and the Father And he broke down the barrier between you and your brother and your sister. And so there's, um, Jesus says, it says this in verse 14. It says, he, Jesus, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by, listen to this, abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. And if you know your Bible, you're probably like, wait a minute. I thought Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You remember that? Matthew 5, 17. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but here Paul's saying, he's abolished the law. Specifically, what he says is, abolish the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. So it wasn't the law he abolished. It wasn't the Ten Commandments. So let's do away with that. No, that's not what happened at the cross. What happened at the cross was he abolished the law expressed in ordinances. You know the old stuff that everybody brings up about the shrimp? Oh, you can't eat shrimp. You know, it's in the Bible. You can't have a tattoo. You know, all that kind of stuff. That is, that is the law expressed in ordinances. 
that were for a people of God, the Jewish people, for a period of time. And that's the wall that Jesus tore down. Okay? Does that explain a lot? The light bulb come on for somebody? So Jesus tore that wall down. So there is no longer a separate, like this, this there's, no, there's no separation in the body of Christ. There is one body, one family. Jew and Gentile have become one. Charismatic and Catholic become one. Baptists and Methodists have become one. All the lines that we draw don't matter to God. Like we're one church. We're one bride of Christ that he loves. And we, we got to start loving each other. No matter how we, the disagreements we have or whatever, this is what God's calling us to. It's this unity. And unity is the key to glory. It is, the, it is the key to this experience, the glory, and shining his glory. If we're not unified, the world won't know. They won't know who he is. So I, I want to take this a little bit further if I can. There's dividing walls that religion erects that God never erected. God never built some things that religion built. And that's what religion does. It often adds to what God says so that it sounds a lot like God. I mean, it sounds super religious. It sounds pious, but it's actually bondage and it's actually separation. And um, I love what Christian gave us some clar clarification on religion this past week. Just that word. You know, you read the Bible, the word religion's in the Bible in James. This is true and undefiled religion that you, you know, pretty much love God, love people, care for widows and orphans that kind of stuff. This is true and undefiled religion. But I love what Christian said last week. He says, when I say religion, I'm referring to the teachings, traditions, and theological perspectives that say they want to bring us to God, but actually become God themselves. And so, the, and it brings separation and it brings this. And I thought it was so great because when I, and I use that word a lot, but what I'm talking about is that, is that insidious thing the enemy wants to do in the body of Christ through religion. And it's just tying people up. It's bringing people in under bondage again that God never intended us to be under. If you're sitting in this room and you're sitting under a weight of shame today, that is because you're believing the lie about that. You're believing the lie that the enemy is feeding you. You're free. If you're in Christ, you are free. So, Religion, it's gotten a bad rap, but that's what I'm talking about. The, just the stinky kind of religion. You know what I'm talking about? This thing that just keeps you like, well, no, you can't do it. You got to do this and this and this. And. No, it's not, about, it's not about relationship at all. It's about, I hope I can please God enough. He won't be mad at me and kill me. Rather than Jesus has made a way to the Father. And because I've been changed on the inside, I no longer want to follow the desires of my flesh. I want to live in the Spirit. And so it's not this, this word that he's talk, talking about here. It says, um, commands expressed in ordinances. It's, the word ordinances in the Greek is actually the word dogma. That's where we get the dogma. And so it's not the commands of God, rather it's the dogmatic application of the commands of God. You think about this, the Pharisees. They had the Ten Commandments, they had the law, and what they did to it? They did like Emerald Lagasse, Take it up a notch, you know, bam. They took it up a notch and made it even harder for people to know God. Like, it, they completely just got off the point of what the law was about. And they're like, yeah, we love the law. 
let's make it even better. You know, like let's, let's make it where people can't even get to God. We shut the door in their faces. Jesus told them, that's what you're doing. You're shutting the door in people's faces and you're not going in yourselves. You're just adding stuff on top of people, just weighs them down. I hope God, I hope God loves me. If you live that way, you've not found freedom yet. You're not, maybe you've not believed the true gospel yet. And so, let me give an example of this. This is what religion does. In the Old Testament, God said, I want you to build a place in the wilderness, tabernacle. It's mostly canvas, tent, that kind of thing. God's glory would come and it would dwell. Shekinah, you remember? The dwelling glory of God. When Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, same concept, but this time it was permanent, you know, stone. There was a place where God's glory would dwell. He'd come into the Holy of Holies. And in the original design for the temple, there was one dividing wall. There was one thing that God prescribed to be a dividing wall in the temple. And it was the wall between the Holy of Holies and the outside. And only one person could go in that room under very specific, special circumstances. The priest, once a year, would go and offer sacrifice. But that was off limits. One dividing wall that's now been broken down by Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay. But you fast forward um, just a little history. The Babylonian Empire came in, took Israel captive, destroyed the temple. Solomon's temple, it's gone. So they rebuild. They come back in 70 years later, and they rebuild a temple. It's nothing like the original. It's like it said the old people who remembered the, the last temple, they cried. The young people were shouting and rejoicing because they just didn't know anybody. You know, They didn't know what the other one was like. And the old people were like, oh, I'm glad to be back home. But, man, this is nothing like it was. And then fast forward on to Jesus' day, King Herod actually had the temple reconstructed. Now listen to this. Under the original plan that God said, here's how I want my house to be. There was one wall, one dividing wall. Under Herod's temple, other walls were added to divide people. That was never God's intention. Look it up. Read the, read the Old Testament. In, the, in Herod's temple, when Jesus was the temple Jesus went to, there was a wall to keep the women out. Does that sound familiar, religious spirit? There was a wall to keep the Gentiles out. And so there's these areas. So you got Holy of Holies here, Leah. The high priest, high priest Leah's in the Holy of Holies. You got the Holy of Holies, but only one guy could go in there. And then, okay, if you're a man, you can get this close. But women, we're going to need you to stand back here. And if you're not in the circumcision, if you're not a Jew, you can't come anywhere near. And it hit me this week, y'all. Jesus is, Jesus is in the temple, and he's a, it's just before the crucifixion. And it says that he walks in there, and y'all know this. And this is one of those stories in the Bible where you're like, Jesus? He makes a whip and drives out the, the animals and stuff like that and is flipping tables. 
and having a fit. And he says, what does he say? He says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a den of thieves. He's not mad just about the money stuff going on and extortion and all that stuff. No, what he's really angry about is that they've added walls that God never intended to be in his house. Jesus says, Paul says here, Jesus destroyed those walls. That's why it says in, um, Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, you are all one in Jesus. That doesn't mean we should ignore our differences in variety, but it does mean our differences should not separate us. Because Jesus doesn't see us as separate. He sees us as one. Verse 19. We got to say, hurry up, Gunner. All right, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Let that sink in. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You know what a stranger is? It's someone who's unknown. You know what an alien is? Someone who doesn't belong. In the body of Christ, there's no place for that. There's no room for that. It is not the will of God that you be unknown in the body of Christ. And it is not the will of God that you not feel like you, you're, you have found your family. That's why I love communities so much. And the way we're doing communities is like, this is a family and it's a place to feel known. It's real hard to sit on the back row on Sunday morning and get known. you like, get, get in a place where you, people can actually know you and you can, you can exercise some vulnerability. I'm hearing God is just showing up in the pooler group, pooler communities and like vulnerabilities breaking out and people are being healed on the inside because there's things that people are saying that I've never told anybody this, but I'm telling my family because I feel like I've found my family and I belong. It's huge. So here's, here's, can I step on your toes a little bit? Y'all okay with that? Y'all got your steel toes on this morning, James? You got a cowboy? So listen, if you're holding someone at arm's length in the body of Christ, that's not what you're called to. If you're, I don't know what I said. If you're, if you're holding someone at, at arm's length in the body of Christ, for whatever reason, stop it. Just stop. Let them in. Now, here's somebody else I want to talk to. I know how it is to be hurt. Raise your hand if you've been hurt before by somebody. Okay, I know, I know what it feels like to be hurt. And I know what it feels like to be hurt so much that you feel like you have to put up a wall and not let anybody in. But let me tell you something. If you are protecting yourself at the expense of unity, stop. Take a chance on your family. Get in a community Take a chance on your family and, and somebody that the Lord highlights to you that you have never shared your struggle with, I, I guarantee you it's a promise. If you open up about that, there is healing going to start in your life immediately because it can't exist in the light. When you bring it to the light, and guys, that's what community's for. 
That's what family's for. Don't protect yourself at the expense of unity in the body of Christ. All right. So, verses 20 through 22, um, Paul says that this thing has been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the sent ones and the seers. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay? First of all, let me just say this. Apostles and prophets laid a a firm foundation for us. The Scripture is uh, inspired by God. And just because it's 2022 and we have TikTok and the internet doesn't mean we have a handle on doctrine and the truth. Just stay with this. Can we stay with the word and know that the gospel is just good enough without us adding a bunch of stuff to it or taking out the parts we don't like? If I disagree with the word of God, I'm the one who's wrong. You know, I'm just saying, can I get a little old school in here today? Like... I'm like, what is happening? Let's get our heads on. Let's screw our heads on right again. Like, just get back to the Word. That's why I love going through Ephesians. It's like, just, I mean, just, just being honest with you, sometimes when you have to preach every week, you think, well, I got to have something exciting to say. I got to have something new that no one's ever heard before. How about this is better than anything? Let's just get to the, let's just get to the, real, the real meat. Okay. So, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Did you know this? This is a really good word study to do. Search you in the New Testament And see how many times it's plural in the Greek. Americans, you're so individualistic, like me and Jesus. He's growing me into a temple. You know, no, he's growing us into a temple. You can't do this on your own. You can't do it. That's why community is so important. It's essential. You're the body of Christ, not you. 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 Plural. And so, Scripture says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are living stones. You are being built up together to to be a temple. Um, And I love how Paul ends this statement. He says, uh, a a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. How how are we being built up? By His Spirit. How are we going to find unity finally in the church? Social media campaign? By His Spirit. Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit of God that brings oneness and unity in the church. And it's our willingness to partner with the Holy Spirit to see that happen in our life. Now that comes down to the one stone right here. And the stone that's sitting in your chair. It's will you partner with with the spirit who was bringing unity to the body of Christ? Will you do your part to bring unity to the body of Christ? Now, 
We're going to have communion in a little bit, but before we do that, I want to, I want to share this. So in the stones of the temple, how they got the stones, and you, I've been to Israel, and some of the parts of the temple are still standing here. It's temple. The western wall, that was part of it. There's some debate on what part that was, but the one thing about it is there's some massive blocks. We're not talking about bricks. We're talking about stones as long as that right there. Tons. They weighed tons. And what would happen is they'd go to the quarry and the stone cutters would, would, uh, would dig down into the, into the rock and they'd put, uh, they'd put wood down in there and then they'd soak it with water. And as the wood soaked, the, the stone would, would crack from the bedrock. And, that's where, and then they'd get the, get the stone out. And then in 1 Kings 6, 7, it says this about the building of the temple. These stones that were used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry. So there was no sound of a hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. So God said, God said, I want you to build it over here. And when you get in place, it's just going to slide right in. And it's going to be effortless. And it's going to be by design. And so when the stones arrived at the building, there was no chaos. There was no chiseling. There was no striving. And as God builds his temple, us, as he builds his unified church, it won't be because we're trying so hard to make the pieces fit together. It will be a work of the Spirit of God. You didn't chisel and smooth yourself out, did you? That was a work of the Holy Spirit, and it'll be the same in the body of Christ. And so Hebrews, it reminds me of this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone. Do you hear that word strive? Fight. Get up and, because and, it matters. Get up and do it because it matters. Strive for peace with all people and, and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Didn't Moses say, let me see your glory? So what if seeing the Lord is directly tied to holiness? And what if holiness is directly tied to reconciliation? What if holiness actually reaches farther than just our personal private choices and our personal holiness? What if holiness and seeing the Lord is dependent upon us being unified with our brothers and sisters? So, as we take communion together this morning, I want to tie all of this in. Y'all still with me? Because this, this is really where we're going. It's, it, we're coming to the Lord's table this morning. We're coming to the table. And we're celebrating the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that we've been brought nearby. Okay? Paul was writing to the Corinthians, another church, and they were a hot mess, okay? Just saying. You think your church growing up was a hot mess? The Corinthian hot church, church was a hot mess. And Paul is correcting stuff all the time, and he's like, guys, oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm hearing this. But here's what he has to say with them. He's, he's talking to them in Corinthians 
chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. And he's having to correct them about how they were doing communion. And you think, well, do you think Paul had a problem that they used the little cups with a gluten-free cracker in it? And the, it wasn't wine, it's actually grape juice. I mean, is that like, is that a big deal to God? Or, you know, how, how should we be doing this? No, you know what Paul had a beef with? He told them there in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, there are divisions among you. That was the issue. See, they were having these feasts. It wasn't like sitting in church and now peel back that first cracker. You know, it was a feast. It was a party. And they're like, hey, we're getting together and we're, we're, we are celebrating Jesus and the fact that we are family, except they were letting socioeconomic status divide them when they had those parties they would have like the jews would be like oh, i think we get to eat first and y'all you guys and they're like depending on where you were on the ladder is what where you were in line and what was actually happened is the people who went first were eating all the food and getting drunk literally paul says it read it and they weren't they weren't thinking of others they weren't bringing everybody up onto the, to the table in other words, some were coming to the table and telling others to sit at the kitty table. Come on, you remember when you're 14, but there's no room at the big table, so you got to sit at the kitty table? That's what was happening with communion. Because those people, I don't, I don't really agree with them, like, doctrinally. So I don't think I could come to the table with them. I don't really like, you know, we have a disagreement you know, she said something to me one time, so, you know, like there's that stuff. And Paul is like, no, like it's, it's serious. He says this, this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. If you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. I don't know why I've never seen that until this week. If you eat the bread, and drink the cup without honoring the body, us each other. You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And Paul says, this is why y'all getting sick and dying. Yes. No wonder the fear of the Lord was in the church back then. Like, I think we need to get back to that. A healthy fear of like, this is what we've been called to. And we are identifying with Jesus himself in his body, in his blood, but we can't identify with her or with our sister that disagrees with us or we can't identify with that part of the church. What would Paul say? If you saw the American church right now, what would he write to us? And it's, it grieves me. It really does. I know this is kind of heavy this morning, but it really does. And I think Jesus is calling us to oneness like never before. Coming out of a pandemic, coming out of political stuff, coming out of a season where the church, parts of the church absolutely lost their ever-loving minds over politics and everything else, and it got so far away from Jesus, he's calling us back to himself. Be one in me. Be one. I used to read, the preacher used to read this verse to us about 
Some of you are sick and dying because you take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And I would sit there as a kid. I'm like, oh, God, well, have I confessed everything? I don't want to choke on this cracker today. You know, it's not how I want to go. If I die right now, people know why, you know. But he's saying, at the heart of it, if you're not willing to reconcile, you're not worthy of my body, my blood. And so communion's serious. <laughs> Many of us take it every week in our communities. And I hope this morning just helps us to see the gravity of it. It's not a religious exercise. It's not a religious ritual. It's identifying with him as a body. And it's special. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do it completely different than we've ever done it. Because that's what we like to do. Shake it up around here. Um, I, I want to place our community leaders around the auditorium. And then I'm going to, so let's go do that. Community leaders, go ahead and just kind of spread out. Let's have a group right here. Let's have a group over here. Maybe the four corners. And then y'all just come on, just go somewhere. Like, I don't know. I didn't plan this out, okay? All right, so we got Georgetown group right here, Chuck and Shay Thompson. The Islands, that's a great place right there. Islands, uh, George and Gretchen Perez. We got the Burnses up in, is that y'all up there? Y'all in Puller 2. They stand in for Puller 2 today. We've got uh, Bradley Point right here, which is like Richmond Hill and uh, some Georgetown, kind of Georgetown area. In the back is uh, the, Rob, the Roberts back there, the south side. And then right here is the other Pooler community. Uh, we have Pooler 1. Who's 1 and 2? 1 and 2. Is that right? Okay, so Pooler 1, Pooler 2. If you're in a community and you see your leader standing up, uh, if, if you don't, Midtown, y'all just have to join somebody else's because we don't have anybody from Midtown today. But um, uh, find your community leader. In just a minute, we're all going to stand up, and I want you to go to your community leader. If you're not in a community, then go to the one that's closest to where you live, okay? Um, so... But here's what I want you to do. When I say stand up, the guys are going to play some music. This is how we're ending service, okay? We're going to dismiss service to communion with each other in our communities. But here's what I want you to do. As you make your way, even if it's as awkward as walking across the room and getting right with somebody this morning, even if it's a, if you had to step out and take a phone call, make a phone call. Get right. Don't let there be a dividing wall in the body of Christ that Jesus never put there. He died to break all that down, okay? All right, so we're just going to thank him right now. You got your cup? Who needs a cup? Does everybody got one? Raise your hand if you, don't, if you didn't get a cup. Ushers, y'all come help these folks out. They were in here serving probably before anybody got in here. All right, so let's all stand and we're going to pray together. If you're watching online, run to the kitchen. 
get you some elements and take communion with us today with your family. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were, who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's good news. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.